All right, hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the season two premiere of Star Trek Euphenia. My name is ELH, the Game Master, and joining me are some lovely individuals that I am absolutely thrilled to once again begin role-playing with. I just have a few quick things to say before we get started. Um, in general, moving forward, we are hopefully, knock on wood, going to be returning to a weekly schedule. Um, I know we were off for a month, month and a half there, but all things considered, all schedules working out, we're going to be bringing you goodness on Tuesdays best we can. The other thing I have to say is that if you aren't already um, checking out the Avatar game, well, maybe I should let Aaron, Wolf, and Matthew sing those epitaphs because they do it far better than I do. Um, definitely recommend checking it out on Mondays. And then last but not least, we got to give a shout out to the Lester Hall game because the Lester Hall game is having just as much fun as these guys here. Uh, they are on Saturdays at 5 p.m., so definitely would recommend checking them out as well. But uh, I think that's all I have for my announcements, so why don't we go ahead and have everyone introduce themselves, then we'll run the intro video, and we'll do the opening log. So, Aaron, go, f go for it. Yeah, hey guys, it's Aaron, again, for like the 100th Tuesday in a row, almost. Um, so, so excited to be back uh, playing Star Trek adventures this is what brought me to this community in the first place uh it's still the system the setting probably closest to my heart here although avatar is starting to creep up there boy if you 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 guys really need your we're only like four full episodes in do yourself a favor watch those vods and join us on mondays because it's it's turned out to be a wonderful ride Lana, you're up next well you've, you've convinced me so I'll do that. Um, hi, I'm Wani. I'm also glad to be back. I missed everybody. Um, I play Commander Seko, the XO of the Euthenia. Glad to be here. I'm Dag. I play Euthenia's resident Edosian doctor, Dr. Major Razib. And that's it. No, no bingo. No, no bingo. Everybody knows. Okay. I have forgotten. You should tell us. And if you want to talk about it, hit me up at Derwolf88 on Twitter. I close enough. Derwolf Gaming88. That's not even close to being an accurate statement of anything. If you want to talk to Dag, hit him up on Trek Nexus on Twitter and all of his socials. Just just follow him constantly. Post, spam, retweet, all of it. Hey everybody, my name is Derwolf. Uh, Dear Wolf Gaming 88 on Twitter and Twitch. I play Commander Sarosuras, and I'm very excited to be here. Um, yeah, you should definitely watch the Monday Night game. It's been an absolute riot. It's, uh, I mean, it's it's okay because Aaron's there and he's kind of terrible, but no, it's fine. At least I get to hang out with, uh, you know, with Matthew. So it's good. Anyway, I digress. Hey, Matthew, what's up? Hey, what am I? Just uh, planning on having a great evening. Hello, everyone. My name is Matthew. I play uh, the intelligence officer of Azeth, who is a Vergeron, a species native to this region of space in the Delta Quadrant, um, where we are lost. And uh, I am also in the Monday Nights game that uh, you should check out because it is marvelously entertaining uh, with these three fine gentlemen. All right. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's run that intro video.
And I have no I idea how much of that the stream heard, but uh, all right, welcome back, everybody. So as kind of a sort of catch up before we do the opening log, Star Trek Euthenia follows the escapades of an Aspro-class cruiser, or carrier, I should say, that has gotten lost in the far reaches of the Delta Beta Quadrant. Now, they've already been pretty much out in space for about nine months at this point, and they have already integrated new super weapons into their carrier, they've saved alien species, they've met alien species, a lot has happened. But where we resume is we zoom into one of the windows of the Aspro class until we enter into a corridor and we see Commander Sarus, the Cation science officer, walking down the hallway. So, uh, Dare Wolf, if you would care to go ahead and give your opening log, and do let me know if the opening uh, music is too loud, because I can turn it down. But, uh, huh? take it away. What? Huh? What? No, I'm kidding. All right. Um, <clears throat> sorry, it's been a second. I got a little jitters. All right. <clears throat> Chief Science Officers, Commander Soros' personal log. Stardate 97418.2. I have been spending much of my recreation time watching an old Earth program called Lost in Space. Ensign Bradish said such a program was a bit, I believe the phrase was, on the nose. I'm not sure what olfactory has to do with the series, but I told him such old programs do not allow very similar to what the holodeck does with sensations of smell. It's more about the emotion and, and simply losing yourself in the program versus actually being in the program. Anyway, I digress. With that being said, perhaps he was more drawing a comparison to our current situation, but unlike the show, those that were in the show were truly lost. We are not lost. We are, well, we know where we are. It's just that we're a long way from where we want to be. And anyway, I've been granted permission. Well, that is to say, uh, as the humans say, I have asked for forgiveness rather than permission, as it is better to ask for the prior rather than the latter, at least, that is what Commander Stetko told me. After an encounter on the alien planet, one of the Monko goblins, as I have since named them, stole away inside of one of my bags. Seeing an opportunity to study these strange and fascinating creatures in a controlled environment was something I could not overlook or allow to pass by. So, once I had the Monko goblins secured in the lab, I let the captain know that I would be performing a number of tests. He seemed intrigued. Yes, intrigued by the opportunity to study new life aboard his ship. His exact words were, You brought what aboard my vessel? He was so excited, he could barely contain it. And afterwards, he was at a bit of a loss of words, so I simply left. With that being said, my research has uncovered that these creatures have a natural resistance to the radiation that is present in this part of the galaxy, something our shields have up to this point protected us from. But if my theory is correct, this resistance could be duplicated in the lab, and I could potentially create some sort of inoculation to protect the crew on future away missions. I am on my way back to the lab to see how the Monko Goblin is faring in the habitat I have set up for him. Perhaps I should name him. You know, Fazap always has a nice ring to it. And blog. Very nice. And you may have one momentum for uh, your troubles there. And hey, yeah, if you haven't noticed already, we're in Foundry now. So now you guys at home can see the momentum tracker. Not the threat one, but you can see the momentum tracker there at home a little bit easier. 
But uh, we are going to zoom in over Ceresta's shoulders as the doors open into Euthenia's science lab. Now, this science lab is one of many aboard the Euthenia because what's a Starfleet vessel without a science lab or two? But uh, this one in particular is a little bit um, special, I think is a, is a nice way to put it. Um, when you walk in, there is a chemistry sort of lathe in the middle of the space in which you can test all variety of gases and chemicals and all the sort of good chemistry stuff there. To the left and right of the door are consoles which you can run library searches for. You can program up whatever you need done and in general, get the computer to crunch the heavy numbers. But what really makes this room special is the fact that towards the back of the room, there are two separate holodecks, one to the left, one to the right. And there's a sort of control area that overlooks each of the holodecks. Now, normally, these holodecks would be used to test new technologies, test theories on how to deal with certain radiation, things of that nature. But Saras, when you walk in, the cage that you had the Monko Goblin stored in, uh, we'll say is was in Holodeck 1 here, it's now in the middle of the normal room, and it's wide open. Walking in, Suros is his head in a tablet, and he speaks before he looks up. So, Fazapo, how are you fa- Oh, that is not good. Oh, that is probably not good at all. Oh, dear. How did it get out of its cage? Oh. Um, Commander Soros to, uh, to, um, oh dear, who should I call? Uh, uh, Commander Stetko. Yes, uh, Commander Stetko. Uh, we may have a, um, a potential uh, security threat. Please meet me in Science Bay 4. <clears throat> what is the threat level, Soros? Uh, to be determined, Commander. Yeah, like give me like a one to five. Three. I'll be there in a bit. Mm-hmm. And she'll uh, make her way there, kind of like taking care of a couple things, maybe on the way. Yeah. Well, the good news is, or maybe not so good news, is that Setco, by the time you arrive in the bay, uh, Sarus, you have run several scans of the cage and come up short of an explanation. Commander, uh, how big of a problem would it be if um, I, well, you remember those monkey goblins that we ran into on the planet? How can I forget? If one of them was to hypothetically be running amok in the ship would that be a um on a scale of one to five how bad would that be well we know it's size right so we can just tell the computer to search for the creature and should be fine see that is where uh, things get a bit uh sticky i believe is the human uh, phrase, it would appear that the increased oxygen levels on the ship have um, allowed the creature to um, get bigger. She like her her eyes like 
like down to the cage. How big is the cage? Cage is like the size for like, like, like maybe like a like a big dog, hmm. and it's been torn asunder. I think she'll uh, bigger, huh? Yes. What was this like? Has it grown that much since we brought it on board? I don't remember them being that big. How familiar are you with a um, targ? For us, two of those together. It's probably uh, fine. It seemed very docile the last time that I saw it, which was over two hours ago. So docile that it tore it open, tore open its cage. It was likely an accident. Fazaho yeah. is not an angry monkey goblin, monkey goblin. He is uh, simply confused as to where he has found himself or she. I'm not sure of the gender of the creature yet, but I was running tests and, <laughs> and he just kind of like, you know, goes off on a bit of a tangent. She's going to uh, take out her tricorder and scan the cage for, I would say like fibers or any kind of like bio- biological residue of the creature. All right. And try and get like a lock on its like bio life signs. I would like to assist. I already was going to tell you assist. So you're already thinking in the same way. All right. So to get everybody used to Foundry. So Watney, you're going to be rolling me a reason and security. The difficulty on this will be a one. And Sarus, you are assisting with your reason science. And again, assisting means you roll one die. Uh. Z- I have Xenoanthropology. I'll give it to you. It's got Xeno in the name. I'll give it to you. Why not? Damn right. I love. I it. don't really have anything that would be. No, no escape and avoidance. Well, like literally. I... <laughs> That's a lull. First of all, <laughs> that was a lulls. Um, I have star-based security systems. I don't know if that like comes into play yet, but it's the most relevant thing. I'll, I'll Boom, give it to you because successes. this this would be you tying in your efforts to the ship security. So I'll give it to you. Okay. I think I'm doing this. Okay. No, that's uh, that's good. So that is three total successes. So you are going to get two momentum, bringing you up to four. But there is okay. going to be a complication. So Stetko and Sarus working together, you do find some fibers. You do find some biological residue, you know, like skin cells, hair, that sort of thing. But the complication is that you also find something very troubling. Apparently, those claw marks, they weren't just from brute strength alone. They were, shall we say, acidic in nature. How fascinating. It seems that the creature has evolved in a very short amount of time to have some sort of acidic uh, bio- Lumen, I interesting. And Thrust is going to go off on a tangent about science stuff. Uh, and to make matters worse, there's a complication from chat. And the complication is, is as you start to speak, Stetko, both Sarus and you hear something thunk in the ceiling. And it's a big thunk. Like somebody is having a river dance above you loud. Hey, Commander Stetko, I told you Fazapa would not go far. He is simply just exploring like any creature would. 
she's like mid sentence of his explanation. She's tapping her combat <laughs> security team to the science lab. Or that. And, you know, they, of course, report back. But what happens, though, as you make that call, part of the ceiling collapses because, you know me, I love things dropping from the ceiling. But this very large monkey goblin, it's quite literally a monkey combined with a goblin, but sized up to be more like a standard uh, ape that you would see in, uh, say, a zoo. So this it's a big, big monkey goblin. And in general, it started off as kind of like a grayish blue it's now vibrant green with sort of like these pink spikes that are kind of jutting out from its shoulders and its head. And it kind of goes, Ooh! and then Is it like, we talked about this. You're not supposed to leave your cage. And he grabs, he reaches up. I'm going to call it he, cause that's just going to be easier for me. He reaches up, rips a shard of crystal from his shoulder and is going to throw it at, at, uh, you know what? I'll roll. Let's, let's see who, uh, who receives the wrath of the monkey? Uh, one will be Sarus, two will be Stetko. All right, Sarus, you're our lucky winner. All right, so 2d20, what do we got? Oh, it didn't give me individual. Oh, why didn't you give me individual? All right, we'll do this. I'm still learning founding myself, so there's probably an easier way to do this. But if uh, you, um, Mike, if you click the result, oh. it'll actually expand and show you what you, what uh -huh. you rolled on each well, individual die. The good news is, is it needed two successes and it definitely only got one. So yeah, the crystal is going to fly over your shoulder, Saras, and shatter against the wall behind you. But when you turn to look at it, you see that the crystal has shattered and released a very acidic uh, compound onto the wall. And it's literally eating away before your very eyes. Uh, no, no, go back to your cage. <laughs> Computer force field around the creature. His name is Fazapo. And at this point, as you all, uh, the force field comes into play, that kind of goes voomp, and the force field surrounds the creature. I would just wonder, for security procedure purposes, and this might be a question for Stetko and the captain here, mm -hmm. at what point would the captain be informed, and at what point would Dorothy be informed? Uh, so isn't Dorothy, like, omnipotent? I mean, technically, she's on all the time, but it's kind of one of those polite things where yeah. she doesn't, you know, 100% track I guess Seko, like, did order her to not be on the clock 100% mm -hmm. of the time. So uh, as soon as, like, the force field goes up and she can get a breath, I think Seko's one, dra drawing her phaser as well as tapping her combat to let the captain know. I would like to be taking as many scans and readings of the creature as possible to understand what's happening to it. Okay. Why don't you give me a reason science? Actually, you know what? I think insight science might be a better role here. Give me an insight science, and I'm going to make it a difficulty of four here. Uh, crew, can I spend three momentum? Yeah. What a time to be alive. <laughs> Uh, we're going to go with four. We're going to say focus, number of dice, big money, no whammies. There you go. You got the four you needed. Very nice. <sighs> so, Sarus, your earlier comment about how the oxygen was allowing it to get bigger, it seems that apparently exposure to this much oxygen is causing it to mutate as well, which shouldn't even be a thing. 
oxygen doesn't do that normally, so it's kind of weird. But you do have a theory that if you maybe put it in somewhere less oxygenated, it might stop mutating? Computer, lower oxygen level inside the force field by 50%. All right. I'll give that to you free. The atmospheric systems begin to hiss. And uh, Fazapo, as we're calling him, uh, he, you know, is still pounding against the force field, still trying to throw crystals. But as the oxygen lowers in that environment, he starts to become more docile. He doesn't, like, knock out or anything, but he definitely kind of stops flowing about like a very rabid animal is how I would qualify it. Does he shrink? He does not shrink, stays the same size. Interesting. It would appear that the creature reacts both emotionally as well as physically to the percent of oxygen inside of the force field. And you would see Sir Russ on his pad hovering over the increase oxygen button. So you might want to stop him. She's going to like swipe it from him. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> You're in trouble. Why am I in trouble? I have not, no one has gotten hurt. It could be fixed. I, the commander gave me permission. Right. Well, this will go on your performance review that's coming up soon. So Russ looks devastated. I think um, I would like, if it's possible, GM, for the captain mm -hmm. to actually come in at this point. Sure. Go for it. Drag yourself onto the map. Yes. And I think he would walk in seeing Steko with like a phaser in one hand and a and a pad in the other, holding it like away <laughs> from Sarus. Does somebody mind telling me what all this is? It is a science experiment, Commander. Right. Captain, sorry. Right. The science experiment that you didn't ask me beforehand if you could do. You seemed so excited about it, Captain. Your exact words were, you brought a what onto my ship? And then you look just like your mouth was just wide and you didn't say anything. You just kept stuttering. I figured it was just, because you were so excited. I, that is not the word that I would use, but why is it so big? So Russ goes into a long tirade about science stuff. <laughs> I think we need to find a way to drop this off somewhere. Dorothy? And Dorothy at this point does appear. That holographic AI just sort of shimmers into existence and goes, uh, yes, Captain, what? Oh, that's uh, that's a big monkey goblin thing. Yeah. Um, His name is Fuzapple. Okay, How Fazapo. far are we from Fazapo's home planet? Uh, if you want us to turn around now, sir, it'll take us about a month and a half. All right. I mean, that that's assuming, of course, we don't just try out the QSD. I mean, I, I heard Vizeth was kind of working on solutions for that, so, I mean... Should I should I give Azeth on the horn? You know, just just ping him, let him know what we're planning. Contact Major Razib. 
I want him down here. We need to figure out how we can contain this thing. And if I have to sedate it or put it in the stasis, then so be it. In the meantime... It's completely harmless. I I have lowered the oxygen level. And the wall just keeps hissing like... Captain, Razib is not going to want to contain this, if you know what I mean. This is right up his alley. You Man, keep that's that by... man away from my monkey goblin. That's that's why you're here, Commander. You're you're my mailed fist. All right. So I will be on the bridge. Uh, 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 no. <laughs> this is priority number one. This thing has acid claws. Okay. That we got to figure out what to do with this. We can't. We cannot let this. Commander, just, just hang out in a force field. I have full confidence in your ability. So, real quick, as you're having this conversation, Vizeth, <laughs> imagine you're probably in the wave motion gun room doing your calibrations because that's apparently what you do. Um, when you get a message and it says, Hi, Dorothy here. Apparently, that monkey thing that we shouldn't have had on the ship, it's gotten bigger. Uh, Cam wants to know if your QSD is ready yet. And this just takes a look at the pad as he sort of crawls out from underneath the uh, calibrating apparatus of the uh, wave motion gun. Sighs, shakes his head, and then just types out a message. I believe that this is your problem to deal with. Please do not involve me. It sends that back. All right. Then Razib, Dorothy actually materializes in sickbay and goes, Oh, hey, Doc Razib. Uh, Captain wants to see you in Science Lab 4. Apparently that monkey goblin thing got out and it's getting bigger and it's it's a thing. It's it's a whole thing now. It's got like acid claws and it's really weird. Has somebody been tampering with your program? Oh, I see. No, this isn't a practical joke. Like this this is actually happening. A monkey goblin is yeah, on yeah, the Yeah, from the planet we, we visited a month ago. There's nothing in this sensor registry for a monkey goblin well the name is something sir russ gave it i think there's no new xeno life forms on this ship without my approval you're kidding me go back and bug stetco or something so there's two dorothy's here one in sick bay and one in the lab and stetco mid-conversation between stetco and williams goes um commander stetco razib wants you to tell him to come here (laughs) Doesn't believe me. He thinks he thinks I'm pranking him. Give me a, give me a minute. Just give me one second. <clears throat> William Servazib. Captain, go ahead. Report to Science Lab Four now. Yes, sir. Probably amount of time later, Razib, you may drag yourself onto the map as well. Just a full party in, in Science Lab Four at this point. Russ is taking every moment that he can to study this thing and try to learn about its physiology as is possible before before it's ripped away from him unjustly. Well, Razib, at this point when you do slide on in to, to Science Lab 4, yeah, it's kind of getting a little crowded in here. I mean, you've got 
so Russ, you got Stetko, you got Williams, you got the monkey goblin thing, you got Dorothy, though I guess Dorothy doesn't technically take up space. It's getting a little crowded nonetheless. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lay it out for you guys because I'm leaving. You've got until I find a planet suitable for this life form to any points at Russ and study whatever it is that you're going to study. And he points at Brazil and says, keep it contained or, and or sedated. And, and Dorothy <laughs> actually looks really concerned says, um, captain. Yes. There's more than one of them. Oh, fascinating. I was thinking that they might uh, duplicate without needing uh, sexual reproduction. You're, you, I, I, to, to use a metaphor, I'm sure Razib will correct me on. You, you know how amoebas like sort of just copy themselves and split apart, and you, apparently when it was in the ceiling, it split apart. And there's there's now, oh dear, there's now eight of them. It's things like a tribble with acid claws. That explains why there were so many on that planet. If my theory is correct, I believe these creatures could survive on any planet. They may even have been scientifically engineered. This is fascinating. What a discovery, Captain. Going to have to reduce the oxygen levels in all of the affected areas. We can't do that, Razib. We breathe oxygen. (laughs) We should have thought about that before we unleashed an unknown life form in the ship. One that you weren't keeping track of, as you so-called said it was your duty. My fellow Sarus will take the blame for me. Mm, always has <laughs> Russ is busy studying the creature and doesn't say anything. Oh, all right. Okay. Don't gotta... even start, Captain. I'm, if you leave. We have to. I'm putting it on your performance review. Ooh, there was a reason I brought the, the ball brick. <sighs> all right. And Williams taps his combat. Williams to the bridge. And uh, let me see if I remember who, which of the Ensigns is on duty. Is it Ensign Thomas is the one? I think is the one we've had uh, be the Klingon opera guy. I think it's Ensign Thomas. Um, Ensign Thomas reports says, uh, yes, sir, bridge reporting. Ensign Thomas, full stop. Uh, aye, sir. Reading all stop. All right. Sound. I want you to take us to red alert. May I ask why, sir? Red alert, Ensign. Uh, Of course, sir. And uh, red alert begins to (sighs) layer across the ship. General quarters are sounded. All the lovely details that come with a red alert. All all on-duty personnel are to report to the quartermaster for EV suits, all off-duty personnel to emergency shelters, preventing the act, preventing atmosphere on this ship. That, that, that will kill scanning. the creatures. Resume's gonna start scanning Williams. I'm not venting all of it, Russ. Just enough to slow them down. Oh. And now it's your job to tell me exactly how much that is. Uh, 
um, roughly 50% reduction puts them into a docile state. Which for you science and medicine nerds out there, um, you could put people into coma, but it's not great for their brain if you leave them in it too long. Vizeth would probably be fine, but Vizeth is Vizeth, so. Captain, don't you feel this is a little premature? 12 now, sir. Well. There's been four since I started talking. Four 13. births. Well, oh. we're waiting for you to stop talking so we can actually carry out these orders, sir. Fascinating species that can duplicate so quickly. Stecco is running out of the room to go <sighs> and uh, take care of necessary procedure, mm-hmm. securing emergency bulkheads, um, so- clearing areas, etc. Stay here. I will bring you your EV suits. Just keep an eye on this one. And the captain will the captain will leave. Captain, hold on. Oh, sorry. Yes, Major. I, I believe your badge is slightly crooked, sir. And he'll reach in to correct the captain's badge and then dose him with some dopamine to counteract some of that cortisol. Dumb. Oh, sorry. What was, what was that? Um, it's empty. No worries. Isn't oxygen in the blood bed? Oxygen? Yeah, if you pump oxygen directly into... You know what? Forget if about there it. Had, I, if there had been oxygen in the vial, I wouldn't have said it was empty, Captain. Touche, Major. Touche. Listen, just uh, hold tight. Mm-hmm. I'll be right back with your with your EV suits. And we'll, we'll get this squared away it's a yes Razib. sir uh, once the captain leaves uh, Sir Russ will lead over to Major Razib Major Razib do you think the captain is mad at me I think the captain is not himself and we have until he gets back with the EV suits to solve this problem he does seem a bit aggressive what if the captain has been replaced or is himself a Monko couplet in either case, we still have until we he gets back here to get the Mako Goblin. Computer, can you isolate the, the Moko Goblin's life form sensor readings? Um, well, uh, I can tell you their general area, Razib, but uh, if you want, like, pinpoint accuracy, no, can't do that, sorry. Can you raise uh, force fields uh, to barricade the 14 of them? 16 now, but yes, I, I've already erected some force fields and okay, I, I, I hesitate to say that they're contained. Uh, they appear to be on decks 3, 12, 14, 24, and 30. Oh, that's not good. And as Dorothy say says it's not good, uh, we're going to transition to the wave motion gun control room because... While this has all been going on, Vizeth, you, uh, you know, you're doing the calibration thing when you hear, uh, something rattling in the ceiling. Now, the wave motion gun is a big open room with a, well, a giant super weapon in the middle of it, but, um, to hear something in the ceiling from this height means it has to be making quite the racket. And as you look up at the ceiling, you see that the ceiling tiles themselves are being eaten away 
uh, by a very potent acid. And in fact, you may even have to step out of the way a few times as that same acid drips down onto the gangplank which you are currently sitting on or standing on. And I think quite calmly and coolly as he sort of ducks around the uh, falling ceiling tiles and the acidic droppings is um, Vizeth is going to slap his combadge while moving towards perhaps some kind of weapons locker or the like on board the ship mm -hmm. um, and simply say, Vizeth security, please send a detachment to the wave motion gun room. And Dorothy replies, uh, I, I'm on it, uh, but you, oh, okay. Um, there's there's two of them, Vizeth. You think you can keep them from hurting the gun? I will certainly attempt to do so. And um, is there any way that I could use any of the tools that I have been employed, uh, that have been employed to, uh, I guess, calibrate the gun as makeshift weapons? You tell me what kind of tools you got going on. I suppose that I would have some kind of laser welder um and the like so that probably the best cool. um in terms of the machinery above the uh, wave motion gun mm -hmm. um is there any way that i could send a charge through the uh the uh jeffrey's tubes uh above the gun to sort of force them out or to force them into the open yeah i like it why don't you give me a control and a security at a difficulty of three okay um, then I'll use augmented ability control. That gives you one success to start off with for the increased complication range. And I'll buy an extra die using, uh, physical enhancement. Okay. Which I believe costs you three stress. Uh, it's your three challenge dice and take the stress. Ah, close enough. I was, I was close. So control security, perform task, uh, shipboard tactical systems. Would apply and three with a complication range of three. All right, hey, there's three successes. That's all you need. Well, four successes, so you get a momentum. So you send a charge. Oh, you also do take four stress damage though. Interesting. So you send a charge uh, up through the Jeffrey's tubes in the ceiling. And the good news is that one of the Monko goblins is gonna come falling out of the ceiling and splat on the gangplank. But the bad news is that the second one starts hooting and hollering and is going to launch at you from the ceiling and attempt to slam into you. So let me go ahead. I'm going to give it one additional die here because I like messing with Vizeth apparently. Uh, that is an 8, a 19, and a 14. So as long as you roll one success on a daring security... Uh, you actually can hit it rather than the other way around. Right. I will spend one momentum. Right. You also did dice. just get one momentum from chat as well. Okay. Uh, no focus, I believe. Unless you have hand-to-hand -hand combat, unfortunately not. No. But you get two successes. You actually get that momentum back, and you get to strike it. So tell me a little bit about how you're clocking this thing silly, because I imagine Vizeth is quite the brawler. Uh, surprised actually. Um, I suppose the creature, uh, lands snarling and roaring and it lunges towards him. Um, and Vizeth in a surprising show of deafness for a being of his size and bulk, um, almost uses its momentum against it, grabbing its shoulder and arm and using its momentum to propel it into, uh, the gangplank and try to toss it over the edge. 
So that would be uh, six challenge dice. It would be one plus your security. So yep, six challenge dice. All right. And five is more than enough with three effects. Um, yeah, the Monko Goblin goes unconscious as you slam it into the gangplank. And then um, sort of almost like his body is decompressing, like it's been uh, through some kind of tremendous amount of strain. So it's, it's almost like there's a steam of sweat rising off of his entire form. He deflates slightly and then taps his home badge again. This is Vizeth to security. I have two unconscious creatures in the wave motion gun room. Would you please remove them? Statko, that's going to go to you. Oh, it's going to go to me. Uh, you said two? That is correct. I'm on my way. May I ask, should I simply exterminate them? They are both unconscious. Oh. <laughs> what would you say? Coup de gras? Hmm. Well, for us. <clears throat> for now, leave them. They seem to be reproducing asexually. Um, so as long as they're unconscious, I don't think they can achieve that and continue to multiply. We may end up dropping them off at a planet somewhere. Are you uh, suggesting that they're involved in some kind of parthenogenesis? Just imagine a triple. Oh, wait, you wouldn't have met a triple. Um, I suppose so. Commander. I'm not in the same room as you, oh, sir. I thought you were. That's fine. She's running around the ship trying to. I think it would be funny, actually, Saras goes, Commander, I have just discovered something interesting. It appears the creatures do not have to be conscious to procreate. Just figured you should know. (laughs) With you making the complication for me, Vizeth, you watch as the two become four. Still unconscious, but there's now four of them. Peter, please erect a force field around the invasive biological organisms within the wave motion gun room. And force field goes voomp voomp and seals them in. And then Vizeth is just going to uh, tap his combat again. Commander, is there any way to retard their procreation? We're devising the next steps, which would be to reduce oxygen supply across the ship to 50%, which does seem to prevent a number of issues. That he, look, he looks over at the four creatures that are sort of slumbering away inside those force fields. I imagine that if you reduce the oxygen levels to 0%, it would have a more effective uh, means of retarding their procreation, but nonetheless, Vizeth, there are roughly 68 of these on the ship at this point. What you do with four of them, I honestly don't care. If you think that you can exterminate them safely and you have the means and the morale to do that, then do it. Very good, Commander. Thank you. Vizeth out. And then Vizeth is just going to look at them for a moment, work his jaw, and then say, Computer, Please reduce the oxygen level inside the force fields to 35%. And you again hear that hiss as it begins to reduce in the oxygen content. And 
after a moment, yeah, they stop uh, stop sort of rumbling and looking like they're going to split apart. And then I think the Zeth, uh, looking somewhat balefully at the creatures and then mournfully at the uh, wave motion gun, is going to uh, stroll out of the room, heading for the weapons locker to arm himself. So our next scene is, I want to know, what is Sarus doing at this moment? And is Razib with him? Sarus has, if Razib's cool with it, uh, requested his assistance in creating an inoculation to like prevent the creatures from uh like reproducing mm. and reverse their changes so that still we'd still have uh 98 of them but we could prevent them from continuing to like expand and then we could shrink them back to their original size that's what he wants to work on with Razib. that's just a retro evolutionary mitotic inhibitor with extra steps precisely Fine. Um, we'll need to make sure we have enough for 123 of them. Why is that oh, an is... odd number? Number keeps going up. I, I, I just they... wanted to go on record here. I'm not the one telling them to raise it. They're raising it on their own. They're making their own problem. This isn't me. <laughs> anyway, carry oh, on. Nope, 124. There we are. I believe that's the plot of every Lost in Space episode. They make their own problems. You know, that is a phenomenal program. I've actually learned much about uh, strange space exploration from the way they bumbled through it themselves. Have you ever seen the, I believe it was Earth 2021. Uh, there was a version of it that was on a an ancient Earth. And I, she goes on a bit of a tangent about if it. If you keep talking, there will be more of them. Oh, yes, 138. All right, let's proceed. <laughs> Well, Razib or Sarus, which either one of you wants to take the lead here, this is going to be a daring in a medicine or a daring in a science. And again, you can choose who's assisting whom. I am going to make this a difficulty of five, though. So it is going to be quite difficult. But again, as a reminder, you do have determination and you do have three momentum currently sitting pretty. Because you came up with the idea of the reverse inhibitor, you should do it and I should assist. Cool. I have xenobiology. As what a applies focus. a focus? And uh, we're going to go bold medicine. So, so you're going to give me a threat for one additional die. Mm -hmm. uh, do I only have to give you one additional die? Yeah, it's what you. It's whatever amount of threat that you uh, you buy will get you that bold medicine. Right. So daring medicine. Um, so you're rolling three dice at the moment. Uh, there is a chance to get five, but. You might want to spend momentum and or determination here. How much momentum do we have? You have three at the moment. The three. Ah. Um, uh, I will spend two momentum to get... Wait. A fourth die. Yeah, you had it. Yeah. There we go. All um, right. So you get to roll four, and you can re-roll one of them. Okay. Does right, quick study come into play here? Gotcha. Two successes. Does quick study come into play here? It actually would. It would reduce it down to a four difficulty. Good catch. Okay. All right. So that has a grand total of six successes. And if you want to fish for more momentum, you can, but you're getting two momentum back already. Yeah, we'll go ahead and keep as is. Okay. All right. Back up to three momentum. So yeah, Razib, I mean, you said it was easy. So for you and Saros working together, it's almost trivial. 
Um, you have a virus ready to test on one of these things when I spend two threat to make the door leading into the science lab portion of sickbay, there's a loud thud, 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 thud. Perfect. We have a patient. Doesn't and seem very patient. Moments later, the door is literally ripped off of its hinges as another Monko goblin comes running into the room, hooting and hollering, throwing crystals every which way. So yeah, we're technically in an encounter. Um, you guys get to choose who goes first because you're the players. So which one of you wants to go first? So I would like to distract it. Okay, how are you going to distract it? So when I was on the planet, mm -hmm. I learned a little bit about their language. So Debatable, I am going carry to... On. I, I, mm, mm, hear me out. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use empathy to hoot and holler mm -hmm. through my translator to try mm. and just throw it off guard. Uh, I'm going to need gonna... you to role play it out no matter whether you succeed or fail, but yes, I'll I'm just going to, before you do that. You're in so much more trouble if they have a language. Roll me a presence in science difficulty of three spend and three your xeno anthropology would apply as a focus yolo uh in science you said yeah you know what you know what i'm gonna just spend a determination on this one nice give back to momentum and just roll two uh and two with a focus all right. Well, with that so determination, you get your three. So the good news How do is I that challenge die to get my determination back. Maybe. All right, because you got veteran. Good call. Or just perform a challenge. Yeah, perform a challenge, and you put in one. No, you don't get it back, oh, unfortunately. Eh, but no, uh, the good news is as you're hooting and hollering, uh, the monko goblin kind of stops and kind of looks at you and tilts its head and goes, "Ooh." ooh. And not to make monkey noises into the microphone, we see a narrator's bubble appear on the bottom of the screen that says, though they didn't know it, they'd engaged in a conversation about bananas. So the Monko Goblin is kind of distracted, Razib. You could spend two momentum to immediately go if you so wished. Um, I'll go ahead and do that then. All right. So if you want to inoculate this thing, it's going to be a daring in a medicine difficulty of one. Okay. Um, in terms of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, I am treating an unfamiliar species. Mm -hmm. So quick study. Yep. Um, and then does precision maneuvering matter when it's not a ship? Let me look at the text for precision maneuvering because actually one of the devs uh, did reply that some of the talents we thought were ship only or, you know, were for personal combat only. Some of them actually do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say precision maneuvering here would actually be something you can do. So it would go reduce down to a minimum of zero there. Yeah. So you're rolling a difficulty zero here. Interject for one second. Yeah, what you My got? difficulty would have been down by one because I have disarming nature. 
Ah, so I was gaining trust. So we would have one momentum then. You would That's have the only one. difference. Yeah, mm -hmm. just, yeah. I, I forgot know. about that last time. So anyway. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and perform this task as is because Razib said this is child's play. And before complications. Yep. Uh, so I've got two dice and yep. a focus. Yep. Double 20s. No, oh, get your two yeah. successes. So that's two momentum. So yeah, Razib, you walk up to this thing, I suppose, and you just kind of go, and after a moment, the Monko Goblin starts to sway a little bit, and before your eyes, it begins to shrink till it's about the size of a teddy bear, and then it kind of curls up cutely and starts sucking on its thumb as it falls asleep. Russ picks it up. See, they are completely harmless. And then it sneezes, and purple viscous liquid that is still slightly acidic just goes all over your chest, so Russ. Ah, oh, oh, dear. Are you, do you have a cold? Well, it Hold is on. A virus. Don't, don't move. And Sir Russ will come in with a sampler kit from his tricorder and wipe a little bit of the acid onto a glass template. And he'll take it over to a science to play terminal for analysis. So okay, well, carry on. Well, that's going on. We're now going to check in with the captain and Stetko. Where are you two at the moment? Would it make sense if we were in the same area? Up to you. I think it makes sense if you say it makes sense. So cute. I think that she would have she would have gone to the bridge okay. to coordinate efforts of like getting um, getting people into their EV suits. So we'll say Stetko, you're kind of coordinating with Dorothy behind Williams as he's in his chair. Mm -hmm. And basically, Stetko, as you're reading the reports that are coming in, uh, you do see that the ship crew is responding very quickly and rapidly. Mm -hmm. I just said the same thing twice, whatever. Um, you see that you're looking at about a 80% report rate. They should all be ready within the next 10 minutes. My bridge background here. Sir, looks like we'll be ready in about 10 minutes to deploy. Good. I was kind of hoping that that little display would have maybe motivated Russ and Razid to get something together a little faster. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure with a specific combination of events that we're... <laughs> Maybe like, not. Haste is the, the primary motivator. True enough. Um, just answer me one thing. Was it was it believable? I don't do the I don't play the captain card very much. Well, let me see. She like checks his pips. Oh. One, two, three, four. Fair enough. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna go get suited up. I'll yep. uh, see you in a few minutes. Um, I think she will remain and sort of begin sectioning off the ship um, as needed, partitioning the areas where the creatures are, mm -hmm. and uh, she'll begin that work on a console with Dorothy while he's getting suited up. 
All right. Well, the good news is the bridge is fully equipped for all of the bridge crew in terms of EV suits. One of the benefits of being a carrier vessel, they thought ahead. Um, so, Williams, all you really have to do is just go down a level uh, to the ground floor and sort of step into that little alcove that's right behind where your big chair is. So you kind of just step mm -hmm. inside and start suiting up. But uh, as you're getting suited up, uh, Dorothy kind of looks over at Stetko and says, So, um... Uh, I, I'm just going to put this out there. Are, are we going to just dump these off on a planet and make this someone else's problem? Or Ideally, we find an, an uninhabited planet. Ceres is, has led us to believe that they can survive almost anywhere. Right. I, I'm not so much arguing that. I'm just curious if it's technically a violation of the Prime Directive to introduce an invasive species. Onto a planet with no intelligent life? That we know of. You make good points. Um, ultimately, I think the security of the ship is front of mind for me. Uh, but if the captain decides last minute, we need to vent them. Okay. All right. And we will. And at this point, Captain Williams, you've returned from suiting up and you're ready to put your helmet on. But uh, as you walk yeah, forward, Dorothy kind of goes, um, Captain, where, where did you get that suit? From the alcove down below. Oh, dear. Um, you might want to. And she motions at your back. Yeah, the entire back has been eaten away by acid. Mm. Should probably get out of this. Yeah. Um, but if there's acid there, oh, there's five of them in the bridge area. And Dorothy starts looking around. I should have brought my exocomp body. <clears throat> well, prep it. Uh, I would say Stecco would erect a force field around the main bridge area like that the, central the, pathway the where the command chair is yeah yeah and like a force field so one not designed like one designed to keep things out as much as in mm -hmm. so they could treat the bridge area okay and we'll say for sake of argument that the other people on the bridge have either gotten in ev suits or are going to be within this sealed area mm -hmm. and then yeah dorothy kind of looks at setgun and goes Okay, vump, force fields up, uh, dumping the oxygen. Uh, we should reach out to the science lab first, sir. Agreed. So she'll tap our comm badge. Stecco to Saras, Razib, are you prepared? We have extremely exciting news, Commander and Captain. We have, well, more Dr. Razib has created an inoculation to reverse engineer what was the term you used dr Razib? from the back of the room you hear it's a retro evolutionary mitotic inhibitor it's a retro evolutionary mitotic inhibitor it actually turns them back into adorable fuzzy creatures isn't this exciting computer In... replicate multiple carriers for these things you read my mind major Major, is it transmissible via inhalation? 
I'm looking at a protein chain we captured from the creature's acidic expulsions. I'm trying to see if we might be able to leverage uh, such a thing uh, in for an aerial counter agent, sir. The only thing Excellent. I want to point out is you got three momentum. You could spend two of it to make the narrative declaration that, yes, in fact, it is something you can administer airborne. Why, yes, it is, in fact, something I can contribute uh, to an airborne inhibitor, <laughs> sir. Excellent. Well done, doctor. And well done, Russ. Thank you, Captain. And I think at that, Williams is sort of going to, I guess, stop for a moment. He's clearly inwardly thinking about something. And then taps his comm badge and says, Williams to Viseth. Here's sort of a scrabbling sound in the background and then a moment's delay. Yes, Captain, how can I help you? Is everything all right, crewman? You sound like you're in a Jeffrey's tube. I believe that there is some sort of reference in Terran media to hunting rabbits. Hunting. I believe I'm engaged in a similar activity. Camera pans and we just see a trail of not body, of not corpses, but just unconscious body. I don't know, would you have left them alive? They're they're confined in force fields at thirty five percent oxygen. Yes. Okay. <laughs> just we see in the Jeffrey's tube just piles and piles of these things just contained in force fields behind Vizeth. Right. Well, we're about to <clears throat> administer an inoculant through the environmental control system. It may, well, it will inhibit their multiplicative proclivity. That does seem to be a vastly more efficient means of addressing the issue than the one that I have adopted. Again, Captain, your adaptivity impresses. Uh, thank you, Kermit. And now, I know it's an odd time, but I'd like a status update on the QSD. I'm afraid that the project has um, ground to a halt for obvious reasons. I've had some difficulty in modifying the deflector to create a gravitic beam sufficient to rupture the quantum barrier and enter into it. Although the ship does have sufficient processing power to affect the calculations necessary, I am unfamiliar with the tactical systems on board the ship. Well, in theory, if we could overcome those particular hurdles though we could we could do it it is possible why do you ask captain because it occurs to me that we can't keep these things and it seems like the only place where they won't completely overrun the environment from what I'm observing here is their own planet. Captain, I believe that, um, was it Lieutenant Varel we went with on the recent away mission, said that my species and I as an individual 
are possessed of a kind of cruel and calculating bloodthirstiness. In this case, rest assured that I am not acting out of any kind of malice, but mere logic. Should we not simply exterminate these creatures? Using the quantum slipstream drive would be an inordinate expenditure of resources. And Dorothy pipes up, uh, if I may, Captain, in order to use QSD, you'd have to turn me off because the computer's going to need that processing power. In addition, we only have so much Benamite. We could maybe do a round trip and a little bit more, but after that, we'd be out of it. Noted. I'd still like you to begin preparations, and I'll give you my decision when the time comes. Very good, Captain. I will leave you with this, however. These are non-sentient life forms, as far as we can tell. They're just animals, Captain. Duly noted, crewman. Thank you. Visit out. And I think with that, we're going to take a five to ten minute break. We'll be back shortly, everybody. Stick around. A Cuban, and he just takes a holographic cigar, puts it in his mouth, and just starts shooting shit. Well, before you do it, you got to say hello to Mark. Oh, great. Now we're online. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just the kind of conversation you have to cut back into. I mean, why would you? Why would you not? <laughs> Oh, Lord. Well, we're going to fast forward just a little bit of, uh, ahead of where we left off before break. And it's going to be about 30 minutes uh, after you all have applied the retrovirus to shrink and contain the monko, monkey goblins at this point. And the, most of the Euthenia is currently with reduced or lack of oxygen. But Stetko, Williams, Sarus, Razib, you all are in EV suits in one of the conference room. The Zeth is not in an EV suit, and you all are discussing what to do from here with the monkey goblins. Uh, so can you remind me again, are, have we already distributed the inoculation? Yes. You have contained and, like, and shrunk 253. And shr 253. Um, okay, so options, everyone. We somehow find a way back to their home worlds, drop them back off. We find a new world, drop them off. They're certainly disruptive to ship life, so it's not like we can keep them here. Seth is actually just going to turn over to Dr. Uh, Razib. Major, would it not be possible to keep them in stasis if there are moral objections to simply eliminating them? Them in stasis would require significant power drain on ship systems for the number we have. We could probably only support 35 without significant impacts. Quite a bit more than that. They do pose a very interesting biological research opportunity. These entities seem to multiply mitotically, which means there are significant 
matter creation questions I have about this process. In addition to that, their tissues can be very valuable for other applications. Their novel response to an oxygenated atmosphere is also something that might be worthy of further study. I that could already of think of proteinism I, is impressive. I agree. The ability to regenerate tissue at such a mind boggling scale is extraordinarily valuable, especially to a crew that is stranded in the middle of nowhere. On the other hand, we could see about retrofitting the ship's biofilters and storing the entities in there until we find a better thing to do with them. We'll preserve mm -hmm. their state as is and prevent them from breaking out and running amok again. Commander Suress, would that not pose significant danger of pattern degradation? If our objective is to preserve the lives of these creatures, is that a wise course of action? Russ has been very quiet up to this point, introspective. His normal kitty cat up in his life. All right, give me one second. Um, all right, um, <clears throat> but it's been a little serious. And he will look up. I kept him. It is my professional opinion that we should dispose of the creatures. So that's, when you say dispose, you mean exterminate? You want us to euthanize them? I have given this great thought, Captain. It is my fault that the creatures are put aboard the vessel. I should have been more careful. And had I been more careful and followed the proper protocols, the creature never would have made it aboard. With that being said, the risk they pose both to our resources as well as the livelihood of the crew is too great. Well, before I consign hundreds of creatures to oblivion, sentient or not. I want every available option and an assessment of those options. So Russ uh, will have two data pads, slide them across the table towards the captain with pretty much every viable option that's been brought up to this point and a risk assessment versus cost. And like a side-by-side -side comparison of every one of those like situations with conclusions on why each of them is not worth the risk. Biofilters, degradation, um, you know, storing them in stasis, just like uh, Dr. Razib said, we don't have enough power for it. Um, you know, putting them in a hollow deck and like the power drain it would have, and they might continue to reproduce and then they could overwhelm it. Like just every single option you can think of and then the only one that seems viable is to euthanize the entire, uh, all of them. I have done the research, Commander, or Captain, excuse me. I do not like this. 
I take full responsibility for what needs to be done, but I do believe it does need to be done. Well, see, the funny thing about that, Russ, is when there's a chain of command, individual responsibility actually runs uphill. And so the responsibility for anyone's mistake on this ship is ultimately mine. I'll consider this plan, but first I want someone in astrometrics. I want to know how close we are to, in, to the nearest stellar body that could serve as a home for these creatures. Viseth, I'd like, I'd like for you to liaise with engineering uh, and Commander Stetko on probability of the QSD working and an ETA right on the Williams, journey. Interrupting you, the doors to the conference room open and a very interesting figure walks in, still in her pajamas. A certain Commander Rash sort of steps in yawning and goes, Oh, okay. Uh, all right, what have I missed? Uh, okay, none of you have gotten new ranks. Uh, we've got a cool alien guy with us now. and Is she not in a suit? No, she's not in a suit. She's just legit pajamas, like legit like a onesie. So I think, yeah, through the through the suit, that sort of muffled, um, <laughs> artificially boosted voice coming Good through level. the speaker. Yeah, would just sort of, the captain would look at her and go, Commander, we're at 50% oxygen pressure and you're walking around like nothing's wrong. I mean, you know, uh, caffeine helps. You're awake. Yeah. One of the nurses said apparently the lower oxygen level like triggered some primal instinct of my species and woke me up or something along those lines and I'm back. All right, well, uh, I want you to work jointly with Crewman Vizeth and Commander Stetko to see if our tactical and propulsion systems can support a QSD attempt, and how far can we go? We may have how to... How far you want to go? Well, I may have to pull a U-turn and travel back a month and a half at cruising speed. Rash walks over to the replicator. Uh, black label, quintuple strength. Materializes, takes it. All right, so unless you guys have gone through all my stores, looks like we've got enough Benamite for a round trip and a little bit more. Uh, I can maybe get you two round trips, but you're not going to like the solution. We only need to get there once and come back. Well, it, it, it was mostly a metric of how much travel time. Yeah. No more than we have to. All right, well, um, pilots aren't going to like this, but uh, we're not using half of all the fighters we got on board, so if we pull from those, I mean, we're only using, what, five wings of fighters right now? The other five are sitting unused. Could just pull from them. Yeah. 
I see no issue with that. I don't think we currently need them. I may, Captain, I do object to that course of action. We may not need them now, but a fully equipped wing of Sasko fighters may be the difference between survival and destruction at some future date. Sacrificing their functionality in favor of saving these creatures seems unwise, as Commander Saras has pointed out. I've taken a few moments to review his calculations and they seem indisputable. I like this new guy. He's uh, he's very direct. I like that. Raises the glass and starts sipping it. Captain, nods. Right. I Major. must agree with our new crewman and Commander Saras. These species breeding patterns suggest that they are heavily hunted and predated on their world. The numbers of reproduction account for the survivability of the species, but we could be taking, we could be spending half of our stores of Venomite to get there and back, drop them off, and by the time we get back, 90% of them may have already dead, died, ugh. If you wish, Captain, I can report to Astrometrics and attempt to find another suitable location, perhaps bereft of any life forms or ecosystem that would be unduly disrupted by the creature's addition. Please do. <clears throat> but I am forced to consider that we may need to simply exterminate them. And I'm prepared to do that if the survival of this crew ever comes into question. For now. I'd be able to propose a solution that could meet all of those needs. Mr. Vizette, you were searching for an ecosystem that would be unimpeded by their presence. Captain, you were seeking to exterminate them and if doing so were to benefit the crew, then that would be the choice that you made. Seeing as how we are out here in the middle of nowhere, I am prepared to propose that we can convert their biomass into energy stores using the transporter. Rash looks down at her coffee. When the hell did Razib get so edgy? I, am I still asleep? Is, um... Stucco getting like any emotional readings from these animals? Uh, no, actually, they don't seem to have the capacity for your empathic abilities. So it's so they may have emotions, but if not they do, like you're not picking up on them. Yeah. Okay. I think the captain would just sort of half turn his head to, to Statco and say, your thoughts, Commander? If we can't find a planet to drop them off at, my recommendation, sir, is to go with the Major.
as it All stands, right. I'm not able to get any kind of emotional read on them, whether that's operator insufficiency or they just simply don't have emotions. It's hard to tell. Well, I'm fully in support of the major's plan. Should I be unable to find a suitable location to, well, accept these creatures? It seems strangely incongruous with the morality that all of you have evidenced thus far. This is a positive oh, growth I... on your part. Oh, I was, I'm sorry, I was about to clarify that we're not going to be converting these creatures who are here because of us into fuel to better ourselves. This is one mistake that we should not benefit from in any way. So Russ is going to pull back a third data pad and tuck it under the table. <laughs> it would be no different than consuming animal life on a planet in order to survive. Do you have moral objections to the consumption of animals? No. Would that be anathema to you? No, not at all. But there's a difference. You eat to survive. If you kill to eat, you do it in the moment. We have energy stores. We have resources to draw on. We don't need to eat right now. Captain, okay. I feel the need to point out that uh, our efforts would involve diminishing returns the longer that we discuss this. Quite true. All right. Well, it's a good thing that I took the initiative and Rash grabs a data pad from the side counter and looks at it. Oh, sorry. Still just woke up and I already want to go back to sleep. Um nearest planet that's within our current trajectory we're looking at a class l class y borderline thing uh doesn't appear to have any life on it other than normal flora but um i it's one of those things where i couldn't tell you if there is intelligent life there or not we'd have to go and explore uh though a novel solution occurs to me and rash looks deliberately between Vizeth and Saras. You, uh, did you make torpedoes while I was asleep? Do, do we have torpedoes? Anybody? Do we, do we have torpedoes? Okay, so we need to cannibalize a little bit of the fighters, but this is going to sound really weird, but welcome to me. What if we converted them into a transporter pattern? We stored that pattern on a torpedo case in a torpedo casing, launched it back towards their home planet, and then let them rematerialize on their home planet whenever the torpedo gets there. Can, can that be done? I mean, I literally installed a giant alien super weapon on deck 35, which I hope is still there. And I did that in 48 hours, so sure. still lose resources in this plan not as tremendously yeah but less than we would otherwise it's genius 
Well, good, good because I hope that looks good on my performance review. Because I have been asleep for the past however long, and I hope that doesn't hope that doesn't negatively reflect on my performance. It's it's quality, not quantity. Unless you're deliberately missing duty, then it's also quantity. But I dug it. Can you rough that up? Can we? Can somebody rough up that projection? I want I want to know the odds. And stress them, Vizeth. You can either make something up, or we can roll for it. Well, gotcha. I mean, Mike didn't pick that up. I said, let's roll for it, but ah, there you go. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, okay. you, you just kind of made a motion. We weren't sure. Okay. All right. Um, let's have you do a insight in engineering and Saras and Vizeth, you decide who's doing the main role. You can assist one another on this, uh, difficulty of three and you do have two momentum at the moment. And if you have anything related to transporters and replicators that would apply here. You should probably take the lead on this wolf. Do you have that bad of a score, Wolf? I'm sorry. I, I must have missed something. I didn't hear what just happened. I apologize. Oh, that's quite all right. No, they uh, basically, <laughs> the they're figuring out the uh, efficiency of uh, Rash's plan. What do I need to roll? You would be rolling a insight and engineering at a difficulty of three, and you would have transporters and replicators as a focus if you've got it. Power systems? No, I can't give you power systems, unfortunately. Sensor use? I mean, technically, the sensors are involved in transporters and replicate. I'll give it. I'll give you sensor use. Sure. Cool. I'll spend a momentum. Okay. Uh, YOLO. No. Oh, yeah. Three successes. Four successes total with Vizeth's assist, which means you get a momentum back. Nice. Uh, Sarus, what I would tell you is you get to make up the specific percentage here, but it's a very high percentage, like above 50 of this plan working. 87.3 repeating. Oh, there you go. I mean, it would work. He says, likely. It does appear to be the case. Nonetheless, it does require the expenditure of some of our fighter wing. We're not going to miss, what, 10 fighters? We, we could spare 10 fighters. How many do we have, like, total? At a character, you have 100, and you're using about 50 of them at the moment. All right. So Russ is, like, all excited for a little bit, and then he stops. I have a question for the group, and I don't want this to come across in the wrong way, but what is to be gained if we follow through with this course of action. Not to say that everything we do must have some sort of gain for us. Sometimes simply doing the right thing is enough, but to sacrifice all of our resources when we are so far from home, not all, but a tangible percentage, is it worth it? And he looks specifically to William. Commander, that first creature that we brought on board, 
it didn't ask to come with us. And whether or not it's sentient is immaterial. We took it from its native environment. And now because it simply doesn't conform to what we consider easy or convenient, I don't know what universe would. And, and dispose of them as though they were simple refuse and our moral obligation to them was subverted completely because of a lack of perceived intelligence. I won't reduce a creature to an IQ test to determine its odds of survival. <clears throat> Make plans, five fighters from hangar A, five from hangar B. Captain, if I may, before we implement this plan, can we not launch a probe towards the uh, nearby L-class planet? If it's a viable option, then we need not lose a full 10% of our fighter complement. Proceed. We launched it. Should be there in about 10 hours. Can we spare 10 hours, Razib? Ten hours is nothing. All right, cool. So we may um, simply congregate the creatures inside one of the cargo bays and lower the temperature and oxygen levels they're in. Put them in a state of torpor. That should lower the power drain. Good thinking. All right. So I know I've kind of been out for like six months at this point, but um. My quarter's still on deck three. Right where you left them. Cool. Because uh, I may have left something running this entire time. I hope it stopped. Because if it didn't... We still have Dorothy, right? Yes. Okay. Has Rash. she made an exocomp body for herself yet? Yes. Okay. How many exocomps have you seen on the ship so far? GM. You've seen one. One. Why? Okay, good. That means the self-replicating... Okay, that's that's good. That's good. I can turn off that experiment then. That's, the that's self-replicating what? Uh, self-replicating exocomp. Uh, a way to repair itself. If Dorothy's body ever got injured, it could nanite repair itself nanites yeah i got the idea it doesn't matter where i got the idea i suppose one crisis at a time commander stetko aye sir i mean the the, the mere fact that we're not buried in exocomps means that it's still i'm gonna go and rash like looks at the door and looks at the captain runs out of the room and uh, you hear Dorothy kind of shout from the uh, the quarter beyond, you did what with what? <laughs> it's good to have Rash back. 
very. All right. If there's nothing else. So let's uh, let's move to add a character for a moment because I'm curious where you guys want this to go because at the end of the day, I don't think I should be making the call here or making you roll to see if the planet's suitable because I think it's your call at this point, whether it's a semi-happy ending or if it's a we lose fighters type of ending. Um, there's pros and cons to each. Um, it's kind of just where you guys want to go with it, really, at this point. I have a idea I'd like to share with the group. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think the Class L planet is suitable. And I think we put them on the Class L planet. And then there is a flash forward scene so many thousands of years in the future where there's a little Monko goblin boy in school and they're learning about their ancient gods, which is us. I mean, that would be a very lower decks ending. I'd be okay with it. Yeah. That's my suggestion. <laughs> my question though is since we inoculated them and basically how did we put it? Um they learned to instead of you know retro evolutionarily <laughs> inhibitor my inhibited them. Like, since we did this to them, like, physiologically, can they even still reproduce? Is this just, like, what's the actual lifespan? And it's going to be X amount of years on this planet until they just die off happily. Oh, Kakura brings up an interesting point in chat. Maybe they just mutate again. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm I'm good with, like, a happier ending where we don't lose a bunch of resources if this is, like, an out-of-character discussion. Mm-hmm. Um I think, I, we deliberated, I think we yeah, deliberated. I think we deliberated the ethics pretty that's well. My, but... That's my suggestion. Yeah. Now, me stirring the pot, uh, Dag and Matthew, you want to share what you guys were working on before we did to the out-of-character switch? Oh. No? Okay. Yeah. All right, what? Why not? Oh, no. You got to share This is now. a safe space. Uh, <laughs> Oh, pass the buck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, all I need you is to be like, yeah, sure, but like, yeah, uh, sure, you can share your ideas, or if you want me to do that, I can do so in a sort of circuitous <laughs> way. Um, circuitous, love that. So just circle around the issue, circuitous. But um, I suppose our plan might involve some kind of accident with the transporter. Accident. Yes, and <laughs> that, eats, that is, converts them into <laughs> just, you know what? these things happen on starships. So yes, I think that uh, to to tip our hands, our plan was to attempt to circumvent the efforts of the rest of the crew and surreptitiously use the transporter to uh, deconstruct these beings into energy that would be usable by the ship without the rest of the crew knowing. Now, whether they find out about that as we are engaged in this process of trying to clandestinely slaughter all these creatures for our benefit, I think that's up to the dice and the story that they have to tell. It's like a Soylent Green. (laughs) Yeah, really is. Everything is Soylent Green on a starship. You know, he's right. My breakfast cereal is Monko Goblins. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, that's that's two on the table. Which ones you guys want to go with? I'm happy with doing. We either. roll for it. So we roll for it. Yeah. Higher low. Higher low. 50, All right. 50. Uh, I'll do the rolling. I'm gonna do out of a hundred. And I mean, I just want to point out the point of clandestinely and surreptitiously uh, ignore the result. <laughs> I can it. see Razib and Vizef being like, I won't tell if you won't. <laughs> that's, just, that's exactly what we did in chat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> tell you what, you guys call otter evens on this one. It's a 50-50 shot. Uh, if it's evens, uh, you guys get to choose. If it's odds, I get to choose. How about we do it that way? I like so. high-low better. All right, well, if you want to call high or low, uh, make the call. You want it high or low? <coughs> Captain. We're muted. That's tradition. Yeah, you, you call that one. Oh, okay. All right. Actually, you know what? Yeah, you call that. You, All right. You call. I was All just right. going to... I got nothing. Uh, I, I will call X, where X is equal to the number that I want. Okay. <laughs> you got to tell, me, you gotta uh, tell me the number, yeah, and you got to tell me high or low. Yeah. High, high will be um, high will be the the ethical uh, outcome, and <clears throat> low will be uh, me and Vizeth have a secret. Okay. And uh, what target number are we deciding on here? What's our what's our max and what's our? You got one to a hundred. Oh, okay. Uh, target number. Hmm. Well, if we go high. Higher than the target number, right? 60. So if I say 99? Then I would have to roll 100 in order to not do the clandestine, yes. I would just say make it 50-50 or have the characters roll against it. Like my security and assisted by uh, the doctor's medicine and the we captain's like security. Idea better like, than me rolling now that you mention it. Um, one to a hundred, fifty-one or higher. What a coin! It's literally. It's literally a coin. Yeah, yes. you know what? Roll a, let's, roll a D two. Let's. <laughs> there you well, go. We got to roll the D one hundred for dramatic effect. It's a six, so it looks like we're going with a little bit of clandestineness. Great, I I, that's the more fun option. I love this. Bunko goblins. All right. <laughs> they develop an entire culture. All right. Well, um, since we already know what the clandestine thing is going to happen, do you want to just handle it next time or do you want to actually play that out now? Because we are kind of running up on session time. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I had imagined it was that Razib is sending a message to Vizeth saying, I think we need to do this. It's in the best interest of the crew. Mm-hmm. And he would then... Um, have a change of heart and agree that, you know, we're obviously not going to do anything so unethical as what I projected. So we might as well go with Commander Rash's plan, but let us send these, <coughs> these, these me, buffers right. in this re remodulated torpedo to this class Y world. At least there, they will have a fighting chance. They won't be, they won't succumb to predation. Fast forward a little bit. We have our cool torpedo. We throw some transporter buffers into it. We clandestinely transfer the energy from the transporter buffers into the ship's backup reserves, and we send the torpedo on its way, and no one's the wiser. I like that, because if we say it's clandestine, there's always the chance of it being discovered in the future, and I think that's an interesting plot thread that we can pull on in the future. I like it. I'll take a demotion for that. 
It's on you. I can't be demoted. I, I, I have the lowest rank possible. See, <laughs> I take all the... It's all on me. He, he takes all the risk. He does indeed. All right, well, then that's how we'll end with uh, the last shot then of the transporter buffer deactivating as the torpedo is shot out of the Euthenia towards that Class Y planet. No one else in character the wiser. That's going to be the end of our Season 2 premiere. So yeah, what did you guys think? Uh, I know, Wolf, you you started off with Silly Monkey, but I, I think we developed into a very interesting ethical sort of scenario there towards the end. Absolutely. I agree. Back. It was very cool to uh, have that discussion in character on the table. It was reminiscent of one of Star Trek's most ethical dilemmas. We all know which one it is. I won't say his name. Is it? Is it who I'm thinking of? Of course it is. Was it a Voyager episode? No. Yes. Oh. Maybe. I want to live. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good well, actor. Chat was, was uh, chat was actually uh, saying that you guys were uh, doing the Equinox thing, which I was like, I mean, they're not wrong. They are kind of doing the Equinox thing. Um, now we've done. Now we've actually true. done it. And mm-hmm. I mean, on one hand. We didn't actually like intend to find an invasive species that we could um, leverage for our own energy supplies. It came along, and Razib's actual worst plan was not on the table. Like, he was totally going to be like, I mean, if they're going to just like produce matter out of nowhere, we could just keep breeding these things and throwing them in the energy buffer. Oh my God! There is a darkness to the Razib that apparently we we need to explore more. I'm making notes of this. I mean, listen. I think I think we can all agree nobody's getting you know court martialed over this. I just want to point out it's, that my value first do no harm, second a parts apart contributes to his nature. I, it's fair, fair. All right. Well, I think that's where we're going to call the recording for YouTube. Twitch stick around, but YouTube and podcasts, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you later.